Family Karma step Cast. Right. <laughs> I was going to say step right up. Step right up to Family Karma Cast. Camera, family Karma Cast. And I don't think we, I think we've stopped introducing ourselves. So I'm just going to go I ahead know. and say that I'm Indra. I'm Deanna. And we are your hosts. We're your hosts. We bring it every week, twice a week, if you're a Patreon member. And I'm going to push the pace patreon right yes. now right off the bat right off the bat one dollar a month gets you four extra 30 minute episodes mm-hmm. about us shooting the shit about pop culture news and bravo shows yeah and sometimes you get five episodes a month because some months have five almost five weeks in them. wait does that make oh, any yeah. sense that makes sense i don't know yes yes yes, yes. there's 52 and weeks in a year the, yeah you know yeah. So you'll get you 52 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We're like the... I, we're tired. I'm not. We're not sharp right now. I want to say we're better. recording on Tuesday, May 4th. Tomorrow is Deanna's 40th birthday. Woot, woot, woot. It is. And today is Audrey Hepburn's birthday. Hell yes. Never forget. That's yep. your birthday twin. Yes. Birthday sister. That's amazing. And Lulu's, my friend Lulu's birthday is today. Oh, well, too. happy birthday. It was really funny because we had our birthday parties together when she turned 21. Uh-huh. My friend Lulu <laughs> in New York and I was turning... 30. Oh, okay. So she's... And now I'm turning 40 and she's like 31. I'm like, girl, oh, just enjoy, enjoy those 30. No kids. <laughs> oh, wow. Lives in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. She's like a dancer, yoga influencer. What? Wow. Yeah, she's, she's a wonderful person. Happy birthday, Lulu. <laughs> so find her on um, Instagram, Lulu Sony. Oh, awesome. And Deanna, you're a wonderful person too. And I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell the people or should we move on? Okay. Yeah. Because we're doing like uh, Patreon after this. So what happened with me is so (laughs) I obviously take stress medication, anxiety medication every single Mm -hmm. day. And I take sometimes a little bit on top of it. Yeah. But I have other stress medication for it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling so stressed out. I can't even get on a plane if I have to fly. Yeah. So I have like more intense medication. So there's like a, I have a couple different medication. Um, What do you call those things? Holders? Pill bottles? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I was shaking, like imagine me shaking something. Anyway, so I have a couple different pill bottles rolling around. And this is what happens is like today is my, I finished my finals yesterday. So I'm done with the semester. And I was feeling like a little like cocky going. And then I I had to go drop off my, walk my kids to school. Mm -hmm. So I just reach in and take two of the pills of what I take every day. And go downstairs, try to um, tie my shoes, and I fall over. <laughs> oh, my God. Head first. Oh, my God. <laughs> I fall forward. So, literally, you've taken <laughs> the wrong pills, and you took yeah, eight and I times took like, as much as you normally Yeah, because I usually take a quarter, <laughs> a half, if I'm really stressed out. So, the fact that Deanna is even <laughs> talking to you right now is a minor miracle. Well, so... I had to get so I'm getting my Italian passport. Oh hell yeah! We have to yeah, and so we had to get like a bunch of things notarized, and so Andrew had to come with me, mm-hmm. and I and like I'm just like 
what I think is being me. And Andrew goes to get me coffee. And when we were walking out, he's like, why were you telling that woman you're excited to get pizza on your birthday? Is that what you wanted? And I said, I don't even remember talking about that. And we're not getting pizza. What are you doing on your birthday? So I, yeah, so I told, so the banker thinks that we're getting pizza on my birthday and we're not, because that's what I told her. (laughs) Well, the banker doesn't need to know. I'm going to, um, Carmine's on pen. Oh my gosh. Because I'm Italian and I need Italian. Oh my gosh. And then this weekend... We're celebrating in style in Palm Springs. Which we'll talk about. We should talk about more of this on the Patreon. We will. Um, We need to talk about this week's episode. And before we even start talking about it, I started editing it last night. And I'm so sorry, everyone. Something happened with the recording of our guest and mine. And so there's a little bit of like popping sounds that are Mm. just kind of going on throughout. And they're... If you listen without headphones, like if you listen in your car or on like a real stereo speakers or whatever, they probably you won't you probably won't even notice them. But if you have headphones on, they might be a little bit annoying. So maybe try and listen to this episode like not in headphones. But if you do even like in your car. Yeah. But like just do whatever you want. I just I'm sorry about that. There's really nothing I can do to fix the little popping noises. Um But it's a great interview, and it is with Karishma Patel, who is the first Indian-American contestant to ever be on Survivor, and she was on season 39. (laughs) So This this was a really interesting interview. It was so interesting because, well... She's like a, just everything. She, we we start out by talking about the McDonald's hot coffee right. scandal because she's a personal injury lawyer. So we like get into that and then it segues into just her whole experience with the show from before she was on the show to what she experienced during the show and then what she's still experiencing. I mean, this It's wild. I ask her a question at the end. Yeah. And I'm like I don't even know if should I bring should I bring it up now the question I asked. No, let's let's tease it. And when we asked her if she would go back after all of this, yeah. we asked her if she would go back for an all star, and so she answers that too. And um, yeah, and I mean, I was surprised. And if so, I also want to preface this by saying before we interviewed her, I had never seen the show, mm. and then um, but Patrick, my partner, he's watched a few seasons of it because he had a friend on it, like in one of the early seasons. He did? Yeah, Ethan Zahn, who won like season two or three, mm. he, like he's friends with him, so he was on like an all-stars version like a year or two ago, and Karishma was on season 39, and I was like okay, we gotta watch it, and like let me tell you, I got so Sucked in right away and I was expecting her to like you know I didn't know what to expect really actually and she was featured a lot on the season she was quite a controversial character um you know we talked there was controversy going on besides her with yes 
with the whole season, there was a whole <sighs> Me Too blow up throughout the season that was kind of going on while it was airing and afterwards on social media. And she talks about that. And she just and she talks about her experience as a South Asian woman on this show, yeah. which was really interesting. And so if you want to watch the season, I definitely recommend that you do. It's on Paramount Plus, which is like CBS's all streaming right. access thing. You can probably like buy it on things. There's probably like ways to scam it, I'm sure. But um, even if you don't, if you've like ever seen Survivor. <laughs> ask your friends. If you're interested. Ask your friends if they have it. Yeah, totally. Ask your friends. If you've ever like watched. It's 2021. Survivor, you'll like this. And even if you haven't, like if you like reality TV or are just interested in like anything, this interview is like really interesting, I think. I didn't realize that they, the thing that I didn't realize um, is that they just like are in normal clothes and just oh, yeah. get up. They're just like doing their thing on the island. They're, like like they look like they're going to a mid, some of them look like they're going to Midtown Manhattan <laughs> office job. Right? I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far. And I wanted to ask her, the thing I wish I asked her is what happens if you have your period? Oh, well, you definitely do if you're there. Like the whole thing is 39 days. So that is a really good question. If somebody out there knows, maybe we can email Karishma and ask. Yeah, I need to know what happens if you have your period. Because that's an unfair... Yeah, well... That's unfair. You need products to be able right. to be clean and stay sanitary and so yeah I'm sure that they allow people to have those things I mean I think I heard about some people who ha- who were obviously allowed to bring medications that they regularly use mm-hmm. and stuff like that so they do I mean you know it's it's not like they just send you out on the island with nothing like they do give them some rice I think to like stay sustained do you think you get a change of underwear you probably have to wash all your stuff yourself oh oh my god period I mean it sounds hellish and she talks about it um so definitely enjoy the interview I'm again I'm really sorry about the audio you know we try to have good audio as much as we can but it's just a little Mm. bit a little bit less than perfect this time we're doing our best we are and and support us on patreon yes (laughs) deanna's like i'm here to say that and that's that's i'm here to say let's (laughs) and you know what reach out to deanna on social media and say happy birthday do it. Yay! Just do it. On 40 Family years old. Karma cast. Yep. Made it to 40. Made it to 40. I, yeah. We'll talk more about being 40 in Patreon. We will. Um, so join, join us. us. Thank you so much for listening. And please enjoy this interview with Karishma Patel from season 39 of Survivor. No one's wearing a bra right now. Like, this is like, should be. No. She's saying no with her fingers. That's the first thing that came off. Yeah, no, I know. There's nothing <laughs> under more the shirt. It's yeah, the yeah. first thing that came off. Oh. I mean, it must be really like heightened mm-hmm. work because people are dealing with like injuries. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's an industry gosh. in flux right now all over the country, particularly in Texas, but. People are also really just like very sensitive and agitated right now because of COVID and being home and like 
having you know bills and and being confused about everything else this is just Mm -hmm. like an an added stressor in people's lives so i was just telling my husband i feel like my job is almost being like a counselor a psychologist a lawyer i'm obviously dealing with medical records so i have to be a doctor (laughs) to evaluate an accident reconstruction so i had to be an engineer yeah. today like, I can't handle this. why did you go into that kind of law uh, well to be completely honest when i was 14 years old my mom put me at work at her law firm and she was a legal okay. assistant at a personal injury firm yeah so i kind of like just got exposure to the industry and the, the personal injury industry early on in pennsylvania and then um i went to college i think i tried a bunch of different things in college nothing stuck and i was like yeah this is my fallback i'll just go to law school and that's why I do. I think that happens a lot, you know, like people see their parents doing something and they're like, well, it's familiar yeah. and, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. So did you ever feel like pressure from your parents to go into one of the three like South Asian typical stereotypical things? I think about this a lot. I did feel pressure from my mom to be a lawyer, which is weird because you don't Mm -hmm. really hear about Indian Mm -hmm. lawyers too much. Mm -hmm. You hear doctor and engineer. Yeah. But you don't really hear Indian lawyer. And I think my mom just particularly was like, oh, she talks too much. She'll be a good lawyer. (laughs) Um, And I really wish they would have like pointed took me to med school instead oh interesting really yeah, okay wow I'm, I'm turning 40 this year so it's too late for me now um yeah but a part of me really wishes that early on i had more exposure into the medical community mm-hmm. so i did really didn't have any exposure into it nobody right. in my like close immediate family when i was younger was in the medical mm-hmm. world but i love mm-hmm. school i oh. always loved school i loved studying and you know, I wish I would have, I, a part of me wishes I would have gone that path. Yeah. But, you know, here I am. Here you are. <laughs> totally. You chose your path and you're probably really good at what you do. That's what my husband says. He's like, as much as you complain and you come home like this right. and you're exhausted, you're, you actually are objectively very good at what you do. And I have to hang on that. Yeah. You know, to make myself feel better when I'm just exhausted and I feel like I'm at my wit's end. And yeah, you know, at the very least, uh, I I get to I get to like I get to help people. I know it sounds cheesy, but like yeah. I don't no, know if anybody, not. if any of y'all have been in a wreck. And there's a lot of people who lie out there trying to milk it. But if you've actually mm-hmm. and you know that part, if you've yeah. actually legitimately like had like an injury because some bonehead was just texting and slammed oh into God, you, yeah. yeah. Your life gets really derailed, and I get to help people in those situations. So yeah. yeah, are you mostly dealing with car wrecks, or are you doing with slip and falls? Funny you ask that. I got my first dog bite case yesterday. Oh, interesting. What kind of dog? Mastiff. Oh, oh shoot! Yeah, he tore oh, a woman's God. arm straight <gasps> out of the socket. Oh, what? he tore her arm right off. <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, that's my client. And I'm, you know, we, we're oh, going to do I whatever so we can. Bad. But the poor woman did not ask for it. And it happened to her. Yeah. Did she know the dog owner? Yeah. 
Yep, she knew she was she she knew the dog for a while, mm-hmm. and the dog just sort of without any provocation. I don't know. I mean, I just got signed yesterday. I've just got the immediate facts, but mm-hmm. I saw a picture of the dog mastiff. I saw a picture of her injuries. Wow, pretty bad. Wow. Well, you know what, um, Karishma, you and I are the same age, and so do you remember the uh, McDonald's yes. coffee? Yep, I studied it in law school, and she. You know, she was villainized, this old lady, for... Ginger, do you remember it? Oh, yeah. I remember it really well. Yeah. And and so it's like she was villainized. And then you look at the facts, and it's like, oh, this was really, really serious. For our listeners, do you feel like talking about it a little bit more than mine? I studied it in law school, and I don't know what you're talking about, but what facts are you you talking about? I I don't know if I really have behind the scenes. Just, she had, like, third-degree burns. From the coffee because like it was so hot and, and everyone, yeah, and everyone was like, "This old lady is trying to get you know x amount of dollars for McDonald's and is suing them because she's greedy because she's whatever." And like none of us, yeah, that was the narrative for sure. Let me explain to you why the verdict was as high as it was. Okay, I'm so interested. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is. It is incredibly, incredibly what was the interesting. Verdict? It, was, it was millions and millions of dollars. Wow. It went up on appeal. And it got reversed on appeal, and the case ended up being like five hundred thousand dollars. It was not much, okay. But mm-hmm. the initial verdict was million, like seventy-three million, <gasps> something crazy. Okay? Whoa! It was crazy. Seventeen. Oh, this is a wild number. Whoa. So let me explain to you where that's coming from. She sued McDonald's for the hot coffee. An investigation during the course of discovery, her attorneys did their due diligence. They did such a good job. Mm-hmm. What they did was they uncovered uh, a pattern and culture by McDonald's that was so reprehensible that the jury awarded punitive damages in the millions and millions of dollars to punish McDonald's. To punish the what corporation. Was what was it? Here it is. What was yes, it? Here it is. You're t- they hired all these experts. Your typical coffee, your typical hot coffee is a certain amount of degrees. Right. Well, McDonald's had recently uh, done a promotion where they were offering coffee and free refills on coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what they did Mm -hmm. to balance out the money that they were going to lose by giving free refills, that they jacked up the temperature that they served (laughs) their coffee. And here's why. So when people are served their coffee, they can't drink it. It's too hot. They have to wait. <gasps> and by the time they can drink their coffee, they're done eating their breakfast what? and they don't need a refill. That is so Boom. evil. Mc- oh my God. McDonald's just saved all the money is... they lost so they can promote free refills. Oh. Hallelujah. Come in. Drink <gasps> as much coffee as you want. But oh actually, my God. their whole plan was to make the coffee too hot so that nobody could drink it for like. 20 minutes Ooh. and so by the time you're drinking it you're already done that is- when that, that was uncovered when that was uncovered the jury awarded her damages for her burned skin a very yeah. low amount her medical bills and maybe a little bit on top uh-huh. of it right for like skin disfiguration uh-huh. maybe 500 grand or whatever for skin disfiguration for the rest of her life <laughs> but the millions of dollars was awarded to punish mcdonald's for instilling a policy yeah. in, in place that was a that was to defraud its customers. Yeah, what the oh, and that is the McDonald's. Oh my god, that is fascinating. I never knew uh, that. And McDonald's learned his lesson. <laughs> yeah, wow. They're gonna get. 
I drinkable hope so. coffee from McDonald's well, from now on. It may even be too cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. It was that the eighties or the nineties? Like I don't even. It was nineties. It was definitely the nineties because I was in Colorado at that point. So it was like it was 90s? mid to late nineties, even. Yeah, we studied. Uh, we studied it when we were studying punitive damages. Wow. Exemplary damages, like damages just to punish yeah. somebody for really bad conduct. Like I. Right. I. I try to get uh, punitive damages and exemplary damages when I have somebody who admits that they were like on their phone Mm -hmm. or when I have proof that they were drunk. Like these are our damages where I can tell my jury, hey, you're going to want to punish. This wasn't just some bonehead who made a mistake and like ran a red light by accident Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. which is so negligent. But this was reckless. Mm -hmm. I love this stuff. I love hearing about this stuff. I can listen to you talk all day. How does it feel being in front of a jury? Do you get energized? Yeah. I bet. I bet it's such a high. It really is. Um, I tried my last case in December, and it was a COVID case. Mm -hmm. It was really difficult because our trials were completely different with social distancing and masks and everything. Because as you can imagine, trial is a very personal thing that happens every everybody is being judged Mm -hmm. yes every facial cue is important all your witnesses and how they testify is important so we picked the jury out in our football stadium (laughs) with everybody spread out so you can't really tell anything Mm -hmm. i couldn't see anyone's faces couldn't do anything it was a four-day trial um and then talking in front of the jury it it is a high Mm -hmm. it really is it is. It's nice. And I actually really like public speaking. I enjoy it. Like I'll choose to do it. Yeah. Um. So I really, I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I like standing up and talking to a group of people, but my job is not just standing up and giving a speech. My job is um, also understanding what motivates them and what are they going to be receptive to? Because I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not doing the easiest thing ever. I'm asking them to give mm-hmm. somebody money mm-hmm. and nobody Ain't nobody want to give anybody money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Ever. Like, I'm suffering. You're going to no. suffer, too. Or no. you got yeah. hurt. I don't care. You know what I mean? So um, it's like almost like like reverse yeah. psychology. Totally. So and mm-hmm. so, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's fun, but it's also difficult and stressful. So does this play into your decision I, yeah. to go on Survivor? My decision to go on Survivor was. I don't think it was a decision at all. <laughs> it happened so quickly mm-hmm. for me. I never dreamed of being on the show. I never like tried out and all this stuff. I just, just, I, I was just watching an episode. And at the end of the episode, it's basically was like a little mm-hmm. place card that said, think you could be on Survivor? We have an open casting call at your local mall. Show up this weekend on Saturday morning. And I'm like, I have nothing going on. Let's go stand in line at a mall and do yeah. something fun. That's it. Yeah. That's all it was for me. It really wasn't a real attempt to be on the show. So I went there and I kind of talked to a camera for a minute and then everything happened so quickly. I mean, I got a call and they were like, we need you in LA in a oh, week. Wow. Yeah. It, everything happened. Everything happened really, really quickly. 
And yeah, and finals is this cool experience where you're kind of like in a quasi, they kind of put you in a quasi game atmosphere for a week at a hotel in Los Angeles and you're monitored the whole time and you have certain rules and they watch and see how you do it oh, to see how yeah. you be in the game. Yeah, it's like a psychological oh, experiment. So it's not like they don't cast wow. you from that initial thing. They put you into an environment no. and... Oh, I didn't realize that. So wow. what happened in that part of it all? A lot of people don't know about this. So like, you're not just cast from your video or anything like that. You're sent to a final, yeah. uh, a final casting, which is uh, six days in a hotel room in LA by yourself. <gasps> um, and you're given very, very strict rules. What? You need to show up at the uh, hotel restaurant at this time for breakfast. You cannot bring, and you're, they take your phone. Okay. Can't have your phone. Okay. You sit by yourself at a table and everybody else who's in finals is at their own table. And then at the end of each day, they do like an interview and they have you do confessionals on your mm -hmm. experiences during the day. Okay. Some days you have pool time, like 1 to 3 p.m. is pool time. You go to the pool, but you cannot communicate with anybody. <laughs> so you sit there and you watch people. You watch their nonverbal cues. You watch the people who are doing yoga. You look at the books people are reading. You look at the the everything about everybody who's there. Whoa. And then when you go into a room, all the producers are there. Jeff, there was a Jeff was there a couple of times. The executive producers are there. The casting directors are there. Field producers who are actually on the island with us were there. Are they just eyeing you the whole time? Yeah. Like, do you, are you feeling exposed <laughs> yeah. a little yeah. bit? Like they're yeah, just judging me the whole time. When you're actually on Survivor, it's it's you're so vulnerable and you're completely right. exposed. So they need to. I mean, they have to do their due diligence. They have to pick people who are gonna be okay in that kind of an mm -hmm. environment. So they have to test you out, and this is how they do it. I have a question. Yeah. Was there anyone you saw? during that time that week that you're like, there's no way they'll make it to the island. And then you show up to the island. You're like, I can't believe they are yeah. here. So my finals, there were five of them okay. at, at my finals. And I heard that my, uh, my finals was the last okay. one. They do a couple, they do a couple waves. I heard my finals was the last one and they liked, yeah. they liked us five so much that they had to boot somebody that they already greenlit to make, make room wow. and my finals was wow. and it's funny because they my, my casting producer gave me a hint she's like she's like make up nicknames for people so that when you talk about them in your interviews with Jeff and like the executive producers you can use your nicknames and they like that that means that you're going to be really witty on the island oh so, so they I were trying to for each of these people and I'll tell you what they were Kelly okay was in my finals Aaron okay Jamal okay Elaine Okay. Mm -hmm. And me. Wow, that's a strong group mm -hmm. right there. That's a strong final. Who did you think wasn't gonna make it? I didn't think Elaine would make it. She was wow. I, I had I didn't really have much interaction with Elaine during finals, to be honest, at all. Mm -hmm. I, I uh but she was thirty pounds heavier at finals. She lost a lot of weight before she was on the show. Oh, really? But, and then she mm -hmm. lost even more. She lost even more. She lost 30 pounds between finals and the wow, show. Wow, mm -hmm. wild. Mm -hmm. But Elaine was one. I met Aaron was the first first person I laid eyes on was Aaron. And I nicknamed him. I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> and tall drink of water. That yes. was my nickname for him, both. And then I remember Jamal wore yeah. a New York Giants hat and he always had a mean mug. Okay. So I called him giant. I called him giant mean mug. <laughs> and then I don't know what they called me. <laughs> yeah. So
So, okay. So you were, I was, I, this is the first season of Survivor I've ever watched, actually. And I was riveted the whole time. And I was like rooting for you the whole time, obviously. (laughs) Sorry. And I was like, is she... And and I was talking about it with my partner Patrick the other day. We were like, she got a ton of screen time. Like in the end, like you were like really featured yeah. in the season yeah. and like a controversial character in many ways. So like yeah. there was the way you were shown that we all see, but I'm yeah. curious to hear like what was really going on on the island. So my take on it is and and, and I'm gonna I'm going to say this first because it's really important for me to say it is that I take full mm-hmm. responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, the way I performed and the, the ways that I did well and the ways that I did poorly. I'm not going to sit here and point the finger or blame anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of flaws in my game, in my behavior, in my, you yeah. know, I, I just, I feel like there's, there's a lot of ways that I just wasn't myself mm-hmm. and that came back to my name. But at the same time, mm. I think the editor saw an opportunity to go balls to the walls with an underdog edit. Yes. And so, because I actually legitimately, objectively, mm-hmm. without a single doubt, was bullied out there. Yes. Very badly. Very, very badly. You know, there have been attempts to gaslight me by members of my cast and other people fans and so what to try and tell me that hey that's not really what was going on but you know what no. I was there I was there yeah that was my experience and it actually did happen and I was in fact badly bullied can I interrupt um, for one second yeah, because of course, of course. I think I think that exemplifies this most which was just like kind of shocking to me was when you cut your hand and literally nobody even cared like nobody yeah. even was looking at you to help you and you would like cut yeah. your ha- hand like pretty badly. Like you needed medical to help yeah. you. I was like, what is going on here? Like what happened? While there was a little bit of editing magic going on. Okay. Okay. Still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was the partial truth that nobody did in fact care to give me any kind of a comfort when I was hurt. That is a hundred percent the truth. Mm-hmm. That nobody, that the game, the game meant more to the people who were actually there that in that moment than the whole concept mm-hmm. of comforting me, who perhaps wasn't the most likable person at camp at that mm-hmm. time. There's a lot of like mob mentality and group think that happens. Yes. So as soon as one person starts a sort of negative sentiment about a person at camp mm-hmm. and a second person joins... Immediately, that, that everybody's like, oh, well, this is the way the group's thinking. This is the way I'm thinking. And by that point in time, day seven, I was the odd man out. Yeah. I mean, people were just saying it out loud. We're going to vote yeah. Karishma. And they didn't even care even if I heard yeah. it. It was that bad. It was that bad by that point. Well, I don't want to like some of these people in real life, you know, would never do that. I think right. in the game, they prioritize the game right. more than taking care to check on a, a tribe member. Yeah. And that's actually what happened. Um, you know, after the doctor came, I was leaned up against mm-hmm. the tree. Mm-hmm. He flushed it out with iodine and patched it up and stuff. And then some people came by to check on how I was doing after the fact. But 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It was not editing magic. When I got down on my hands and knees that first time with my head down on the ground, because the blood, the blood actually just started yeah. like oozing Oh my out. God. And then I got dizzy because I hadn't eaten. Yeah, and yeah. Oh no, my God. Literally nobody came to me and they, right. they said the producers told them not to, but I turned my head, opened my eyes and I saw what I saw. <gasps> yeah. I saw what I saw. I mean, who doesn't go help someone who's bleeding? Like, I know there was some sketchy shit going on throughout the season. <laughs> And I'll say it's easy for us to judge right now. I don't mean yeah, to defend yeah. them because I think it's abhorrent. But when you're in the game, mm-hmm. all sense of like normal human behavior just doesn't exist. And I'll tell you, I overheard some really actual people who I know to be good people. Yeah. Actually talk about hoping that I get medically evacuated. Yeah. And I will say the game brings <gasps> out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Wow. It just does. Is, do you do you think they like in it? Do you think people look because it's about money and then winning, right? Do you think it becomes interchangeable? Like mm-hmm. first you go in because you want yeah, the money, question. and then you're That's like, I just really, want to really win. Good I just want to win. Like it's about power. It's about power. It's about it's airtime. Power. It's about the airtime. It's about power. It's about airtime. It's about being top dog. Hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be top dog. Yes. Yes. And that's, that, that's the thing that kind of shone through to me. I was like, you know, like a million dollars is a lot mm. of money. Don't get me wrong. But like, this is. You got 565 after taxes or so. You can ask, go ask Tommy. He knows more. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to minimize that amount of money, but it's like, you're not getting a million dollars. But okay. So speaking of like people doing things they wouldn't normally do. And that's me included. Yeah. Uh, no, included. totally. And, and oh. actually, let's go back to that. Like you said you weren't yourself in many ways. What were the ways you yeah. feel like you weren't really yourself? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm a people person. I love connecting with people. I really take pride in getting to know people who are different from myself and understanding them and connecting with them and forming bonds in my real life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happened, I think in the first 10 days in my first tribe, was I kind of felt a bit of sidelined mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, be it my personality, uh, be it my ethnicity, be it my age, be it my physical ability, whatever. I felt mm-hmm. like I was, you know, disliked. I felt like I was being uh, put to the side. And I didn't realize that I had this defense mechanism, but subconsciously when that happens, I kind of go with them, oh, if you don't want me, I don't want mm-hmm. you. And I would then, as a defense mechanism to feeling that sense Mm -hmm. of like loneliness and rejection, would then go ahead and and, and push people away. I wasn't able to create those social bonds and connect with people and and really let them in to get to know who I really am. Mm -hmm. Because I was pushed, I was just like, well, you're you're, you're treating me like dirt. I don't I don't know how to break that surface. I'm not even gonna bother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 the thing is, like, I, I my point being is. Yeah, they were treating me like dirt and and I shouldn't have been treated like dirt. But I also take responsibility in that I shouldn't have reacted the way I did either in just being like, F off, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Yet I can do that in my mm-hmm. life because I don't want to be surrounded by people mm-hmm. who don't like me. But in Survivor, you kind of have to know which people Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You know, and I have a 
really rough time doing that. And so I was on the wrong foot from yeah. day one. Totally. You know, you mentioned a lot of things that you think maybe people Mm -hmm. were judging you on. What do you think was like the primary thing that people were picking on you for? I think I was different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just different. And I think that I, I was I can't even pinpoint the ways that I was different. But I feel like I was different in just even my mannerisms that people weren't used to or had weren't accustomed to or didn't feel like relatable Mm -hmm. or familiar. That kind of set me aside, set me sort of aside. Uh, even even any 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 simple thing as to just the way I get up in the morning and the way I stand up. Mm-hmm. Those little little tiny mannerisms, little tiny cues that all come from a place of the mm-hmm. way you were raised mm-hmm. and the way that you you have your lifestyle and who you surround yourself with. Those cues actually speak volumes out there on the island because everybody is grasping at things yeah. to latch on to. And I think I was. I, I felt different. I was treated different. And I think because of that, and I'll tell you the second 10 days mm-hmm. with uh, the other tribe, with, with uh, our swapped tribe mm-hmm. in Vokai, it was, it was like night and day. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was different. I felt yeah. I could relate more with Kelly. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could talk m- more honestly with Jamal. Mm-hmm. I felt finally one person who I could possibly have some control over in Nora. <laughs> Um, I felt somebody who was, who had an, had a bit of compassion in their heart in Janet. Yes. And I felt a person who wasn't only always looking out for themselves, but was willing to take a moment out of their time to listen to somebody else in Jack. And so when I met those members of Vokai, I mm-hmm. found little tidbits in each of them that made me feel so much more comfortable mm-hmm. and so much more included. You know, after the merge, that might have been my downfall because that's the side I chose and that's the side that went yeah. down. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, they healed a lot of the trauma that that original first day, first 10 days created. Yeah. And I mean, I, the one thing that stood out to me was like the... um you know, as a South Asian myself, like, I've always noticed in my community, but just in general, like, South Asians are not known for being very athletic. Like, you do nope. not see us in, a, like, the Olympics very often. Or, like, <laughs> like, I remember watching the Winter Olympics, like, I don't know, in the last decade. And in the opening ceremony, like, okay, this is India, which has one billion plus people there were like three people from india in the winter olympics and i was like oh this is like we have we have mount everest (laughs) and we can't be in the winter olympics like are you serious so i felt self-conscious about that my entire life as like i've never been like i've never been like good at sports like Mm -hmm. i like I like do fitness stuff now to like stay fit, but like yeah. I don't, I've never felt like I'm very good at it and I feel like self conscious about it. And mm-hmm. so, like, and I think that's a stereotype of our community, mm-hmm. right? So, Absolutely. did you feel like people were like kind of putting you in that box? Because you, you kind of fought back a couple of times. You're like, you know, I'm a strong woman. Like, I can do things and challenges. You need to believe in me. And they were all like, mm-hmm. Christmas exit challenges and like, 
It was kind of bullshit, I thought. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the survivor standards of athleticism is like so far beyond the normal (laughs) standards in real life, right? But like, I will preface this, like, I'm not an athlete. I was never, never did well in sports. Just like you said, I'm very, I agree with you. I have the same sentiment. Like, I'm also very Mm self-conscious when it comes to anything having to do with athletics. Like, I I was never the first one to go and and shoot a basket. I have the will to do it. Mm -hmm. And when it, and and in my opinion, a lot of these challenges Mm -hmm. in Survivor Mm -hmm. come from the will. Mm -hmm. Now, now, I think y'all, I, there was an episode where they showed me cry right. because I, I had the will, but my body gave up and I was very frustrated. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, look, who was on Lyro? Let's take mm-hmm. a look. Like I had uh, Elizabeth and Olympian. We had Chelsea who played college soccer. <laughs> we had Missy who graduated from the Air Force. Right. We had Elaine who was hillbilly. Now, granted, physically, physically didn't look like your typical athlete. But yes, was raised in, in a farm inherently. town, very physical atmosphere. <laughs> right. She was building right. houses when she was a teenager, for God. Right. That's, yeah. Building She's whole a fighter. houses, this woman. And I'll tell you, Elaine is, is an incredibly capable person in so many areas. Mm-hmm. And then me, who, you know, my BMI at that time said overweight. I honestly just don't have great hand-eye coordination naturally. Mm-hmm. I just don't. But I had the will to do the best mm-hmm. that I could. And what was happening was I think the producers caught on that, okay, Christmas like a little bit last and all these things. Yes. I was not losing the challenges for anybody. Even that sand challenge, they made it look like it. We mm-hmm. lost before mm-hmm. I even started. They were done that. They were more than halfway done the puzzle before I even started. It, it, you know, they make it seem like I'm some challenge liability to push that underdog uh underdog thing that they were going for with me um yeah but i was kind of like you're not a big deal not doing so great but not losing it for you either you know i was climbing the ladder i was jumping into the water i was getting up i was i was doing okay i was keeping up but I, i wasn't losing it for you either but i think they were going for that narrative yeah it worked i have a question because it was such an intense part of your life um, do you ever have dreams or nightmares that you're there or you're yeah. doing a survivor challenge? Two or three times a week. You do? Uh, they're, they're nightmares. Can you talk they're a little? Wow. Are they the same? Like, what are the scenarios in your dream? So I've, I've been having nightmares ever since I came back from Survivor pretty consistently. Almost like five nights a week, I have nightmares. And a lot of the time, not necessarily on Survivor, but wow. elements of like... Um, uh, abandonment, isolation, rejection, failure, sense, you know, right. um, like low self-worth and stuff like that. And I'm comfortable talking about it now because it's been years. That kind of a thing is something that just doesn't like go away like that, right? It comes back in your subconscious. I love hearing it. Thank you for sharing. So when I'm sleeping, you know, I'll have something will come up where I have to climb this wall. And no matter how hard I try, as soon as I get to the top, I blinked and I'm at the bottom again. How did I get here? Mm-hmm. I, I worked so hard. I worked so hard to get here. And then all of a sudden yeah. I'm here. How'd that happen? And that's just like, I think it, it, it's a lot of my experience, not just with physical challenges, but also like socially and in the game and stuff where I felt like mm-hmm. I felt kind of with my back to the wall that I was just 
I was trying so hard and I, I wasn't getting any credit for it. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, do you feel closure from it? Because it's like so open. It seemed like when, yeah. when you left, it was like very open. Like, I'm working you know, it wasn't the it. chapter wasn't closed. I'm working so on it. And I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I'm working on it. And yeah. It, it, so, it's tough. Like, I've come a long way. That's I wild. Think that's have you really talked beautiful. to any of the like, other people? It was a traumatic you know, season. Have they, I don't regret, they have similar I don't regret going out there. Situations. I came back a much stronger person. And I came back with a perspective in life that really reinforces mm-hmm that I have power to choose my happiness. I have power on who I surround myself with yeah. and to choose whether to surround myself around with, with, you know, a toxic yes. environment or a loving environment. And that's, that's the key to happiness, but it isn't, again, it is not a flip of a switch. But then it's like, so interesting because it's like what you're saying mm-hmm. is universal, mm-hmm. but your experience with it was so yeah. unique that there is, small 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 percentage of people that did what you did and have been on that show and undergone these -hmm. things that you're talking about specifically and it's specifically with you being your story on that show yeah it was wild and judging (laughs) I couldn't even imagine the dms you're getting after it it was wild. I got a lot of death threats oh that is crazy I I I, I'm assuming people were ruthless I'm sure there was some racist shit in your dms a lot of racist stuff a lot of um oh my god a lot of people just you know no filter just letting, just saying that, you know, all you do is whine and complain and you play the victim. And it's like, look, yeah. do you not understand that you're watching an edited produced show? You know, I give a 30 minute confessional and you're seeing the four minutes yeah. that are spliced yeah. together. If people don't understand that's what they're watching and they kind of fall for it, quote mm-hmm. unquote, those are the people who are sending those nasty mm-hmm. DMs. Mm-hmm. It didn't really, to be honest, like the DMs didn't really get to me because these are strange, these are trolls. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. when people do, you know, the really nasty posts, it got to me right. a little bit. But the, I had a hard time in the middle of the season. Yeah. I had a really rough time in the middle of the season. Well, you know, I feel like the way they portrayed you it was so like a mixed bag kind of. And the... I mean, the thing that was so powerful and they even talked about it in the reunion was like your reaction when you saw your husband was like, this is finally someone I trust after years of being on this island with these people who have treated me like crap. And like, but earlier in this season, they they show you talking about how like, you know, you did feel like maybe you're you were sort of like you got married because your parents wanted you to and you weren't really sure about like that choice and everything. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I I wanted to hear more of that on the show. And obviously they didn't show much more, but I was curious about it. So I that segment was also very highly edited. What was going on was, you know, a lot of the people at camp were talking about things in their life, really difficult things that that, that have happened in their life, traumatic mm-hmm. experiences, um, you know, hills that they have faced. And I, I'll be completely honest, I, I, I can't even put it in another way. I have led a, a pretty comfortable mm-hmm. life of, you know, a, a, I, I, I give thanks all day every day mm-hmm. you know it does not it does not leave me how thankful i need to be but i have not m- been met with the mm-hmm. type of life difficulties mm-hmm. that a lot of other people have 
my biggest difficulty at that time was that I felt like I was a burden to my parents for such a long period of time when I wasn't married and I was approaching my thirties and I was still single. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, went beyond my thirties and I was still single. The biggest difficulty in my life had been the whole prospect of my parents trying to push me to get married sooner rather than later even when I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I was talking about that. It got cut up a little bit, but I mentioned, mm -hmm. look, I, I was not in any semblance of what people think an arranged marriage is. I hate when people use it as like a hot topic because it isn't, you know, in America, you're introduced to people through family. You have the choice whether yeah. you want to marry mm -hmm. them. It's no force or anything. The thoughts always yeah. occurred to me because I had that, that worry of, of whether I was actually being a burden to my parents. Did I get married to? Yeah. Did I meet somebody who I, who I clicked with, had chemistry with, which I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, the parents were involved in our meeting. Yes. Not, not in our meeting, but like, you know, they, they were involved because they knew each other. And because the parents were kind of, you know, had their fingers in our, in our relationship, did we get married a little sooner than, than maybe we should have? Mm -hmm. And that's just the thought that went through my head. And that's what I was talking about with them. And they mm -hmm. spelled it up into some big sort of existential moment of yeah. me being forced into marriage, which is yeah. not even remotely what happened. But the I think I think they saw it as an opportunity. And I think people, especially here in America, are so in, you know in, entranced by that concept. Um when I was out in there on right. the island. But it is problematic that they did that with a South Asian woman. It is problematic. It's very problematic. And I felt very uncomfortable watching it as a South Asian living yeah. in America. Well, I, Jeff, I, I called and demanded to talk to Jeff after that episode aired. I was livid. You were. I was Good for livid. you. Good. Did he talk to you? Yeah. He called me at work immediately. And said, look, we're going to fix it. We already did. Just wait wow. until you see the rest of the season. That's yeah, what they probably I yeah. didn't sign up for yeah, because this. Because it probably like your husband was probably like, what? <laughs> well, it was the Wednesday before Diwali. And it was not a fun weekend to go see your family when it just looked as if you were bashing your family, which I wasn't. Oh. What the truth is, is that I was, I, I, on that island, I questioned myself mm -hmm. so much like am I a good person am I a good person am I worthy am I worthy of love all every single person here acts as if they hate me and I don't understand why because I I was never I'll be completely honest I was never malicious to yeah. anyone I was never because it's not I was I never did anything that was so hateful yet I was treated as if I was a devil yeah. And so I would sit and just question, am I even worthy of love? And so when I saw my husband and it reminded me, yes, mm. I am worthy mm -hmm. of love, you know, that rejuvenation that we all saw. And that's where that came from. It wasn't like, oh, you know, she was forced to marry somebody, blah, blah, blah. She fell out of love. No, it was because I was made to feel like a pile of shit and I was reminded that Karishma is not a pile of shit. So what did you think the experience when you were preparing for it? Were you thinking about, okay, so I need to figure out how to like kill, like fish or whatever. What emotionally, mm -hmm. well, I want to know what you prepared for in like survival 
ways and like what did you feel like it would be like emotionally i had a f- about five weeks right which is not very long before leaving so i i did not worry so much so much about the eating mm-hmm. and being hungry because i had fasted a lot in my life mm-hmm. and <laughs> all that I did all of those Hindu fasts that you can mm-hmm. possibly do mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't worry about the not eating. And I should have worried, but I didn't about the elements outdoors. Okay. For some reason, I thought I would just be a jungle queen. Yeah. And I would just kill it, kill it in the dirt. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. I have no idea why I thought that. Um, I immediately got a personal trainer and thought, mm-hmm. listen, I need to build some muscle. Yeah. I just have to because I'm not a strong person and I'm overweight. So I needed to, I got mm-hmm. only five weeks. What are you going to do? Right. Much. Um, oh, I immediately went and got laser hair removal and I could only, I could only fit oh, two my sessions gosh. in. So it, it, it's not enough, <laughs> but and I'm Indian and I'm, I have a lot of hair. <laughs> You can see it up here, but I have a lot of hair everywhere. <laughs> and the funny thing is as much as much as I stressed out about that, as soon as I got on the island, I just didn't care. So let's talk about emotionally. Like, what did yeah. you think? Were you like, I, I'm going to make friends with people like this? Yeah. Is- yeah. Emotionally, I thought that I was going to get along with everybody. And I... I'll be honest, I was high on myself on an intelligence standpoint. I thought that I'd really be able to psychologically sort of understand other people, where they come from, what motivates them, what their um, conscious and subconscious cues, like picking up on all of those things. I thought that, you know, from that standpoint, I was prepared. What I didn't expect is that hidden defense mechanism in me that I talked about earlier to come out. When I felt when I felt really uncomfortable and physically in pain, I you know the not eating and yeah. sleeping bam- on bamboo. You just God bless, you can't do it. Can we talk about the what was your okay? So what was your night like? Your night routine and when would you wake up? And it was horrible. It, I, I it goes down. Every single person who plays Survivor will tell you. The nights are the worst. They're the worst. Yeah. So we don't have watches, no clocks, obviously. Um, the camera crew changes every day at like 6 p.m. I think it was. So when we see the camera crew change to the night crew is when we know that the sun is going to go down in 30 minutes. It's like oh, we we figured that okay. out on our own. Yeah. We've got 30 minutes to get in your place because once the sun goes down, once, yeah. once you know, it's night, you don't have light, you can't walk around, you got to get in your place. So we um, we'd go down. When the sun goes down, we go down. You have to get in your spot. You, you know, you, you stay up talking, but you have to be in your spot by that time. You basically shiver and pray all night that it doesn't rain. When the rain starts, have you guys heard of like Chinese water torture? Yeah. Where they're tied down and there's this drop of water. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt what well, rain in the middle of the night is like. Like being tortured. How often did it rain when you were there at night? It rained more than I thought it would. The first night, the the first time was night four, which I would credit oh as one of the worst nights of my entire that life. Looked so horrible. <laughs> it was so bad, guys. Night four, my feet, my the bottom of my feet were so waterlogged. 
by the morning. I couldn't God. walk. I, I couldn't walk. They were so waterlogged that it didn't even, even look show like you that. What does waterlogged either, you mean? Know? It's like soaked. The but your skin is so soaked with water. Oh it just looks like raw meat. Oh, it just yeah. looks like the bottom of your feet. And it just looks like like raw meat. It's just, oh my god! Yeah, it's like, and it's and it's painful. Oh, oh my god! Okay, so I have to going way back to a comment you made about like people change and you know, they do things they wouldn't normally do on the island. So one big thing that came up in the season was the whole Me Too thing with Dan. And I was sort of horrified watching the whole, like that whole episode where people were telling Janet that they were being touched inappropriately by Dan and some of them were lying and some of them weren't. And and then in the end, like Janet got screwed over because she did the right thing, <laughs> which was believing the women who were telling her that this man is inappropriately touching them. And, um, and at the end of it, I feel like the way they edited it, I was so confused about what actually happened, who was telling the truth, who wasn't. And then by the end, the reunion turned into this thing where Kelly was like the spokesperson for the whole thing. But I felt like she was kind of involved in like this gaslighting campaign too. I, I was horrified. I want to know what actually happened. <laughs> I know. And a lot of people want to know what actually happened. And I'm going to be completely honest. Even I don't know. Okay. Because mm. I wasn't really privy to a lot of this stuff either. Okay. Um, I just know that the whole situation was just incredibly unfortunate. It should have never yes. happened. Um, and I feel, I feel likewise horrified. I, I mean, like yeah. the, the footage, it like haunts me of him at night, like putting his hand on that woman's <gasps> thigh. I like, I'm like production should have seen like someone filmed that someone was filming. So they needed to say immediately, this man needs to leave the island. And it took until he was yeah. top. Six. Yeah, I will. I will agree with you there. I I do agree with you there. Despite you know not really, not really knowing or having the sort of credible, I do agree that he yeah. he should have been removed sooner. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that like it seems like production really learned a lot of important lessons in it in like this very unfortunate way, but. It was, yeah. yeah, okay. So I just wanted to, I, I, I did get the sense that like not everyone was really sure, even knew that it was going on or what was happening, but that I just had to ask because it was such a big storyline. In the game, it just didn't click. Yeah. To anybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that is just how mind numbing the game is for the players. Mm -hmm. Your mind becomes so warped in that game that you lose all semblance of regular human behavior. Yeah. You really do. The whole concept of right versus wrong goes out the window. In your life, what is wrong is right on the island. Yeah. And, and oh it's the other way around. And so I, I, you know, that situation is just so difficult for me to judge on because even me, my mind was just in a completely, in, in a vortex. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think every contestant is walking away thinking of what you're thinking or what you're saying right now? Every mm-hmm, contestant mm-hmm. is saying that my mind was not how I normally was not rationally thinking. Yeah. Everyone's saying that you're do you think? Yeah. When they walk oh. away from everyone. Everybody. Everybody knows that when you're in that game, it's you're in game mode. Mm-hmm. And when you're in it's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse. Mm-hmm absolutely not an excuse Mm -hmm. it's just the reason yeah yeah it's just a reality it's the reality is that when you're there you lose your sense of right from wrong or Mm. you lose your sense of like what's actually what's you know what not right from wrong i'm gonna change that you lose your sense of what's real and fake that's what's going on can we talk about your interaction with the did you have your own producer no there's uh four field producers who would do the confessionals and they interchange every time i mean i had my favorite i had my my two favorites everyone else has their favorites but they they interchange how much are they in your ear not much not much okay that's that's good that that's keeps the game authentic for production too like they walk a fine line Mm -hmm in terms of choosing how much to interfere yeah, or how little to interfere because then you have the sanctity of the game, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if you dabble too, you know what I mean? So they have that, that hard job. And this is again, not an excuse whatsoever, Yeah, but it's just the reality that this is their job. They need to pick and choose their, when they're going to step in and when they're not. And sometimes the just, decisions are right and sometimes the decisions are wrong just like us as players when we make decisions we can make terrible terrible decisions yeah uh, and i just hope you know lessons are learned all around if you were asked back to do an all-stars would you go back if the time is right in my life i would meaning if i don't have like, tomorrow yeah if i can take like two months off <laughs> if it was, yeah if it was tomorrow i'd go oh wow you would go oh, yeah after all that oh yeah, yeah i'd still go because think of it this way it's a one in 20 lottery ticket for a million dollars why wouldn't you buy that that's true that's true has anyone has anyone who treated you like badly apologized to you since the season ended? yes yes that's good have you apologized to anyone yes yeah i'm sure that a lot of that happens after every season guys that first couple months when you come back (laughs) and particularly particularly during the airing yeah Apologies, 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 apologies going on. Mm-hmm. And and I've become really good friends with people from other casts from other seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's the same every season. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone who you're like really in touch with now since the season ended? Um, no. There's nobody that I'm like really in touch mm-hmm. with. But um there's a handful of people who I genuinely care about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. genuinely have very good relationships. That's great. But I live so far away. We our season was so weird, guys. Like we had everybody was from the tri-state area. Oh. Or mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And then you And then there was just two of us from the Midwest. Yeah, that's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, who okay, so Tommy won. Yeah. You voted for Tommy in the end, right? I did. I had I didn't decide who was who I was gonna vote for until I got to the top of the steps. Oh wow! So funny, funny really? Okay, so I had like a bit of a nervous breakdown. 
before I went up to vote. And I actually delayed it a little bit because I wasn't ready to go up yet. So what what were you thinking in that moment? What was I mean, Nora, obviously no one was voting for Nora. (laughs) But um, what about Dean? Were you thinking about like maybe this guy deserves it? I played all my 32 days with Dean. Okay. Interesting. Every single day. I tried with my entire heart to make a connection with Dean. And every single day, it was a misfire. Okay. The thing about Dean was I hated him with all of my soul. (laughs) But he did something I couldn't do. Was he came out of that merge miraculous and I did not. I came out of that merge going mm-hmm. And he did something that I could not and I I had to respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to respect that somebody was able to pull it together and do what I couldn't do. Yeah. And as much as I like hated Dean, I also <laughs> like loved him. It was weird because you know, he was he he was just somebody I played every single day with battling it out mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. And when you battle it out with somebody who you also respect, you have a love hate relationship. It's so funny. I had I yeah. hated Dean in the first half. And then the mm-hmm. second half, at a certain point, I was like, I want Dean to win this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he pulled it together, right? He came out he guns did. blazing. And he did what he needed to do. I think he played the game really smart. And I have to say, Tommy kind of drove me nuts. Like, I didn't, (laughs) I felt felt like, you know, sorry, Tommy, if you're listening to this, but having the fact that he, like, the whole bringing up, well, I'm a teacher. And because of that, I know how to, like, like, people, blah, blah, blah. And and I was like, please stop talking about being a teacher. It's really annoying. Yeah. But okay, yeah. so but if you had to choose someone beside yourself from the entire cast who you think this is a person who should have won Survivor season 39, who would it have been? If I had to choose a winner, I would choose either Elaine or Janet. Yes. Yeah. And this is not to discredit Tommy. I think Tommy was a just deserved it. He's a great winner. Yeah. Um he played the game really and- well. He did. Yeah, he really did. I mean, look at what he accomplished when he had four Lyra women and him. Mm-hmm. He got me and Elaine on his side to vote Missy out. Yeah. You know, Tommy mm-hmm. did that. Tommy convinced me that I finally had a friend in the game. Yeah. He convinced me and I believed his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I should I shouldn't have. I mean, I the telling Nora that he didn't know how to build fire was That was, to me, like a genius move because he knew she would believe him and she brought it up even. She said, Tommy doesn't know how to build fire, so I'm bringing him with me. And there he is teaching the other two (laughs) how to build Tommy is a student of the game. He's very smart. And he has a very high, I think, level of emotional intelligence. Yes, yeah, he does. He He understands, he understands and and he and he had a great deal of patience with a certain someone towards the end. Mm, mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. What a I mean, I just couldn't believe Nora was in the final 3. It was like, is she really There's, there's always one. There's always one. 
<laughs> you know, they were calling me a goat all season. It could have been me. If I made it to the final three, that would have been what people would have called me. It happens. Yeah. Okay, it's reality. Yeah. It's a reality situation. And and let's hope there's more strong, powerful women yes. who make it to the end, make it to the final three yeah. with their own legs to stand on and are not, you know, called that brutal word, the goat, but yeah. they're actual, you know, women who deserve to win. Yeah, I was actually, you know, because this is my first season watching and now I'm a convert, I'm going to watch every season. But like, did of all 40 seasons, how many women have won? Very few. Yeah, which is a commentary on a lot of things. Early on, er- right, early on, right. it was a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think if you look at this, if you look at the statistics, the first 20 seasons, it, it's pretty good, pretty good for women. Mm. And I think after that, particularly after 30, it just went downhill. Yeah. Was that the one with the guy who That's like manipulated everyone? That's every season, girl. <laughs> I know. But, so actually, my nephews are really my nephews and niece are really into the show and they like have studied all of it and like they're going to love this interview. But <laughs> They were telling me about this one season where this guy just like totally. It's Kagayan. Yes. Kagayan. Yes. And it's on Netflix. Okay. I have to watch that. I have to watch it. His name is Tony Mm -hmm. and he played a masterful second half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's such an interesting game. I mean, if they ever invite you back, please do it. (laughs) Oh my God. I think, I think what I'd have to work on is building up self-confidence and courage to, you know, push my ideas. And if somebody is treating me badly, just shove them aside and move on. Don't let it really hurt me. And I, I, my, I'll tell you, I let it hurt me. Yeah. And that was my downfall is just letting it get to me. And I don't let it get to me in my life. So why the F did it get to me out there? I don't know. Well, like you said, which is, yeah. Cause you're a lawyer. It's like people are attacking. Mm -hmm. You're going head to head with people. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a wild, crazy experience um i'm so happy that yeah. i did it um but and i will say this more happy than anything that i finally brought some indian yes. representation yeah. to a show like survivor mm-hmm. which is so traditionally yes. beautiful yes. white people on a beach right right and that's not what the show is and like, I don't really have any friends who watch. I don't know any Indian people who watch Survivor, to be completely honest. And I didn't. And whenever I mentioned Survivor to people, they would always be like, oh, is that is that, that show where it's with all the crazy white people running around in their underwear? And I'm like, yeah, that's the show. And it's funny that, that that's the whole concept that the Indian people have of what Survivor is. And I hope that my representation, that the diversity initiative to have 50% yes. Uh, people um, of of yeah. all different uh, ethnicities and and BIPOC and and everything mm-hmm. being represented kind of changes that narrative, and Survivor can now become you know a a, a social, physical, strategic, mm-hmm. psychological game that involves people who have backgrounds from all di- all different ver- yeah. like areas and. That brings then all like we talked about earlier, those yeah. like mannerisms and those little little subconscious cues, and it brings unique perspectives mm-hmm. on what's happening based on past Absolutely. experiences. Yeah. And that is what's gonna enrich this 
this experience and survivor mm-hmm. so cool because like what other show out there tests you yes. on every level oh my god that like was that. what was so striking to yeah. me because i always thought oh this is a show about physical endurance and like it but it's not it's, it's like not. all these different mm-hmm. things Walmart. and it's so complex and it's really interesting and yeah i like yes that what you just said was so beautifully put and i it was just like I never was interested in the show because I never saw myself represented in it, you know, and like seeing you up there and like really showcasing yourself, like talking about the fact that you didn't feel comfortable just wearing a bikini on the beach in front of everyone. Like I've never worn a bathing suit on a beach in my entire life. Yeah, Like, and and like, just like, I'm glad that they showed aspects of it. I have issues with the way they showed the stuff about your marriage and things, but You know, it's these are steps forward. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Karishma. Like, this is huge. Thank you so much. And and do you do you want to give out your social handles? Yeah, I mean, it's the letter Q, letter T, Karishma, Q T, Karishma. It's been it's been my handle since um um AIM Instant Messenger. (laughs) Yes, going way back. Q T, Karishma, back. Then, so yes, kept that going. Um, pushing 40, still cutie Krishma, and that's my handle on all platforms. Yeah, awesome. Well, everyone should follow you, and thank you for sharing your story. And and bring her back, Survivor. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all for talking to me. I love talking to you guys. <laughs> 